Psalm 23. Before we endeavor through um, our passage, I kind of want to give a recap and just what we're going to be ushering ourselves into here in the next few weeks in our new series. Mark just spent um, four weeks just allowing us to come to this reality that when we are anointed by the Holy Spirit, when we are Bible-believing, on-mission Christians, there's the inevitability that when you are doing something right, as Jesus was, you are going to face spiritual warfare. It, it is a fact of all Christians that are on missions for God. So, so when you're on mission with Christ, and when you're on Christ's mission, there's an inevitability that you are going to hit spiritual oppression, which can manifest itself in different ways. And Pastor Mark, he, he did it beautifully where he, he, he made us realize, and we, we all came to this realization together, that Jesus is creator God and has authority over his creation, including demons. And, and, and this works on a very practical level. It works on a very practical level that as God gives us victory over spiritual oppression, he gives us victory over the everyday vices of life. And as we walk through life, we don't walk as, as weak Christians. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And we get to declare the victory that Christ has already made over all of his creation. And so we really just took four weeks to unpack Jesus's authority. Jesus's authority. And so now we're going to be entering into a time where Jesus, he declares that all of his authority comes from who? God the Father, my Father in heaven. You see it all throughout scripture where Jesus says, I have come not to do my will, but the will of the Father. The will of him who sent me. And so I took you guys through four weeks of unpacking the Holy Spirit, right? The person of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, the mission of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. We went through all of these and we learned that a Spirit-led Christian needs to be under the authority of Jesus Christ. And now we're going to be ushering ourselves into what I want to call the Abba experience. We're going to complete this, 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 really, Pastor Mark and I, we've been going through a three-part series in and of itself, where I taught on the Holy Spirit, he taught on the authority of Jesus, and we're going to be completing the Trinity here, and we're going to be learning about God the Father. And so without further ado, turn to Psalm 23, verse 1. Psalm 23, verse 1. I don't normally do this, but considering it's only six verses, I would like you all to read this with me, okay? Don't feel weirded out, it's okay. <laughs> Some of you are like, I didn't come to church to work, Zach. <laughs> no, we're, we're going to read this together, because I, I think it's a very sweet and intimate psalm. And so if you have it in front of you, Psalm 23 verse 1 says this, Say it with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Father, I just pray that um, you would continually show us who you are tonight. God, that we would be awakened to the type of intimacy you want to have with us this evening. I pray that we would not uh, have so much hubris as to think we are above you or that we are above learning. While this sermon may seem elementary to some, as it is a foundational sermon, I pray that we would humble ourselves before you. 
whether we've heard a sermon like this a thousand times or whether this is our first time. Father, I pray that we would seek you and receive the things that you have for us tonight. Work your way, Lord. We want you, we desire you, and we expect you to do great things in our lives. In Jesus' holy and mighty name we pray. Amen. So as I said, guys, we are going to be diving through four weeks of a series called The Good Shepherd. And one thing is, this psalm was written by David, correct? This psalm was written by David. And it was a psalm, just him reflecting his relationship between him and God, as many psalms are. Some psalms are, are, are a supplication before the Lord. They are David earnestly asking God to do something, right? Some prayers are earnestly David just seeking the Lord and saying, help me. Some psalms are a little more intense saying, Lord, vindicate me and justify me. But there are many psalms where it is purely David reflecting on his relationship with the Lord. Yahweh, Jehovah. You see, during this series, we will be doing the same thing. We will be reflecting in, in, in a very calm-like manner. We will be reflecting on our relationship with the Lord. We will be reflecting on our relationship between our shepherd and us, the sheep. And so that will be pretty much the, the, the crux of this entire series, and especially tonight, we are going to be endeavoring and seeing how, yes, Yahweh is a shepherd, but the property of the shepherd of the sheep. And, and we are going to be learning, first of all, we are going to be endeavoring to learn how to function, how, how God functions as a shepherd, but also how we are to function as his sheep. We love to call ourselves princes and princesses of the Lord. We love to call ourselves sons and daughters of the Most High. However, how many of us are willing to say we are sheep of the good shepherd, right? Sheep is a little more of a demeaning term, is it not? But... I'm hoping that by the end of the series, we will be able to see just how intimate and glorious of a relationship that is, the shepherd and his sheep. And this psalm is, is, is very fitting. You see, this psalm is one of the most widely accepted, one of the most widely quoted psalms in all of Scripture. It is the most famous psalm. And it is, it is recited by non-believers and believers alike. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, so there, there's this ushering into the presence of God in this psalm. You see, it's played at funerals. We see that, you know, it, you rarely go to a funeral where it's not at least kind of alluded to, right? We go to many funerals and, and it's always Psalm 23. The psalm is read to soldiers before they enter into battle many times. This, it's read to usher people into their last and final breaths on this earth. Many people, when they, when they ask for a priest to come and lay at their bedside before they die, Psalm 23 is a very, very often quoted psalm. You see, the psalm, why is it like that? Why is this a psalm that brings so much comfort to the human soul in its last days? Why does this psalm usher in so much comfort in those who have just experienced loss or are experiencing trial? You see, because many people, they love the way it sounds, the aesthetics of it. They, they, they just love the way it, it, it just sounds off of their lips. They love reading it and they love hearing that there's just this good shepherd out there. But why does it resonate with the soul? Why is it always recited at funerals? Why by the bedside? Does, is it the only comfort that usher people into their last breaths, whether they are a believer or not a believer? This psalm, I believe, is so precious to us because at the end of your life or in the midst of heavy trial, you reflect on what's truly important. At the end of it all, you reflect on what is truly and genuinely important in life. And this psalm embodies all that our soul at its core truly desires. This psalm embodies everything 
that our soul, whether you're aware of it or not, your soul truly desires for itself. You see, at your core, there's this desire for peace that lies deep within us. There's that desire for green pastures, for still waters. And it is, it is a good desire that God has put in you. And it is tainted often by desire on the surface level for other things. It is a peace that can only truly be met with a relationship with God. That's what our soul is craving. That's what our soul thirsts for. Our soul thirsts for this, this being led into something beautiful and tranquil and peaceful. And it is constantly searching for it. And it can only be found, Christian, if I can just give away all of the Bible for you really quick, save you the reading, just let you know our souls at their core can only be satisfied in Jesus Christ. No matter how hard you try to search for something else. And I know this is something many of you know, but is this something we've truly experienced? All of us know in our head, if you've been to church, or at least a Bible-believing church for more than a month or so, you know that Jesus is the answer to your problems, but have you been restored by him? It's one thing to believe something, it's another thing to feel it. It's one thing to know God is real, it is another thing to experience him entirely. You see, a lot of people say, ah, oh, you know, God can't be seen, but he's like the wind, man. He's like the wind. You can't see the wind, but you can see its effects, right? I say that though that is a cute interpretation, that really doesn't hit it. You see, God cannot be seen, but he's not like the wind. You see, God cannot be seen. He's not like the wind. He's like love. He is love. God cannot be seen. He's meant to be experienced. In every facet of your life, in your mind, in your soul, in your heart, in your strength, he's meant to be experienced. And our soul longs for that relationship. But it's not just any relationship with God our soul longs for. Our soul longs for a shepherd-sheep relationship. That is what our soul longs for. And we see that God is described as a shepherd so many times in scripture. And it's so hilarious that it's, it's not just man describing God as our shepherd. God describes himself as a shepherd, as we will see in other passages. God continually describes himself as a shepherd. And it's so interesting because especially at the time, especially at the time, shepherds were the lowliest of the professions. They were smelly, stinky, and had no social skills because they spent all their time with sheep. You ever meet people that only hang out with their dogs? Yes. I'm like, ah, I love you, but ugh, like, talk to people. Like, you know, no, seriously, like shepherds, they were considered just lower. Like they were considered, it wasn't a very highly esteemed profession. Okay. It wasn't considered a very highly esteemed profession back then. But so it's so interesting that God, Yahweh, the Lord would describe himself as the good shepherd. Right. It's very interesting to me. So each week, this message is going to be twofold. Each week, the message is going to be two parts. We will look at Yahweh as the shepherd, how he describes himself as the shepherd, and we will look at humanity as the sheep. Because God doesn't so much describe himself as a shepherd because he wants to associate himself as a shepherd. He does so more because we're a lot like sheep. It's, it, it's not like God is a shepherd, therefore we are sheep. It's we are sheep, therefore God's a shepherd. Does that make sense? So it's not like, oh, God, lowly, like, just not that awesome. No social skills. No, no, no. We're sheep. Yeah? yeah? We're sheep. So God naturally has to be a shepherd, right? And so this is why he describes himself as a shepherd. Not necessarily because he's like, I don't want to be a shepherd. It's because you guys are, you need a shepherd. 
we're just like, bah, like I remember like, I, oh my gosh, I'll never forget. Like I, I, I think it was when I was in Iowa, just a long time ago. And I didn't really even think of it when I like, cause I was super young. I was like nine years old, but I, I never forget like watching a sheep just kind of like chill and like, just look at this electric fence. And like, you know, just walk right into it. And then just kind of just tilt its head. And they just go right back in. <laughs> like, you know, bah, like just, we are that, aren't we? We sin and we, ow, it hurts. And then we go right back to it. We're stupid sheep. Therefore, God's the shepherd. Amen. Amen. And so we're going to be focusing on the first two verses and a little bit of verse three today. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. You see, green pastures, green pastures represent a flourishing life. That's what we think really when we think green pastures, flourishing fruit, right? Green pastures, a flourishing life, one that is fulfilling, both fulfilling and safe. Yes, This is kind of our experience, as we think a pasture, a pasture is a large open field, but is still within the protection of gates. So so there's there's a lot of land to go around to explore and to graze. However, there are still gates all over the place, fences. That is a pasture. A pasture is a place that is both flourishing, but also safe. One attribute of a pasture is that it has a pastor, right? As a shepherd. And so we see that here, green pastures, it's to represent that flourishing life. Still waters represents a peaceful life. Because that's what you think of, right? One that is shalom, peace, refreshment, right? And as we read this passage, we kind of just think in our minds just what it looks like, right? Just take a deep breath and you just imagine just the beautiful green pastures, the grass flowing in the gentle breeze, then the small sound of trickling water going just fast enough for the water to be fresh, but not fast enough so if the sheep fall in, they won't be able to swim, right? Just super tranquil. And as we think about this in our own lives, flourishing and as we think about peace we read this passage and there's a temptation to draw in our imaginations what a flourishing and peaceful life may look like as we read this we see he makes me to lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters we draw up in our imaginations what a green pasture for us may look like. What still waters in our lives may look like. What a flourishing life for us may look like. What a peaceful and carefree life may look like for us. And there's this temptation when we read these things to draw up in our imaginations, perhaps it's being debt free. Perhaps it's being conflict-free. Perhaps it means more peace in your marriage. Or perhaps it it means marital bliss with a good-paying job. For some of you college students, it might mean finally having enough money to eat. (laughs) Or maybe having good grades. We draw up in our imaginations. Anytime we look at God's promises, there's always this temptation to kind of just paint a picture of what a flourishing and peaceful life may look like for ourselves. However, in that moment, we begin to think of what fulfillment and peace may look like in our lives. And we we have this image of what we need in order to have these things. And they're they're in our heads and we're just wondering and, and imagining and praying for these things all the while. We wander off, as sheep do. We wander off. We tend to wander. We want these things for ourselves. We want bliss. 
For those of you who are single, you may want marriage because for you, that may be a flourishing and peaceful life. For some of you who are in debt, money is that flourishing, peaceful life, or at least just not being in debt anymore. Some of you might be, if only they accepted me. If only I had the love of this person. If only there was reciprocation in my marriage. We think about all these things. We want these things for ourselves. So we actively pursue them. And in that, we become like sheep, wandering and searching for food, but in the process, walking over a cliff or into a lion's den. And you may be wondering in your head, well, why, Zach? Like, why, 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 are, why is desiring these things so bad? Isn't that what a peaceful life is? Isn't that what a flourishing life is? To be conflict-free, to be debt-free? To have just enough to be comfortable. I'm not asking to be rich, Zach. I'm just asking to provide for my family. I'm not asking for everything in the world, Zach. I'm just asking for maybe someone to love me. And we want to justify our search for happiness and satisfaction because we want to declare that this is the green pasture God has in mind for me. This is the still waters that God has in mind for me. We love the idea of lying down in a green and peaceful pasture, the light and gentle breeze and the warm summer sun. It's so amazing. We love the very thought of a quiet and gentle stream next to us as we rest. We want this for ourselves. We seek it out. We pursue it. All the while, we forget the previous verse which says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, I shall not want does not mean God is my shepherd that I don't want. Right? I even know, I, I've honestly interpreted it that way sometimes. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, yeah, I want to do my own thing. Obviously, I want to do my own thing. I don't want a shepherd, but I need a shepherd, right? That's, that's sometimes where our mind goes in the application of this verse. The Lord's my shepherd, whether I want him or not, right? <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. However, it does not mean that. It does not mean it is the shepherd I do not desire, it means the Lord is my shepherd, which means I shall not want for anything. The Lord is my shepherd, therefore, I am satisfied. The Lord is my shepherd, therefore, I do not need anything. I shall not want. He satisfies me. He satisfies me. You see, within God's shepherding and his shepherding will is the essence of fulfillment and peace. You see, as God's sheep, I shall want for nothing. As God's sheep, I shall not want for anything. Notice that the only sheep that are ever in want are the ones that stray away from the shepherd's guidance. Notice this. Shepherd has this Beautiful pasture. He's leading the flock into this pasture. He's leading the flock beside still waters. Those sheep that are within God's will, those sheep that are within the shepherd's will, who are allowing him to lead them, those are the sheep that don't need anything. Those are the sheep that have no want. The sheep that are of wanting are the ones that stray from the shepherd's guidance and search for better things. Those are the sheep that are in want. Those are the sheep whose souls cannot truly say, I'm satisfied in thee, O Lord. I'm satisfied in thee. The sheep that are found in want are the sheep who say, well, at least I have my independence. Right? I just want to do my own thing. That's, that's, that, that is 
honestly, because you know, I'm a college student among college students. And, 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 one of, and one of the biggest issues, in all of us really, but I'm just relating to my own demographic here, is college students that finally get away from their parents and say, I'm going to do my own thing. And they're always found wanting. But they hate the shepherd's staff. Because their parents did a pretty crummy job of showing them what the shepherd's staff meant. Or they did a great job. The sheep is just dumb. <laughs> that's, what, that's where we find wanting, guys. We find wanting outside the shepherd's guidance. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want for anything as long as I submit to the fact he's my shepherd. He's a good shepherd. He's a delightful shepherd. I shall not want in his presence. Those who are, are found in wanting, yeah, they got their independence, but they also have no grass. Yeah, they have their freedom, but they don't get no still water. In Psalm 16, I just... I long for this, to say this to the Lord. You will show me the path of life, and in your presence is the fullness of joy. In your presence, Lord, is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Meaning, as, as God guides me, that's where the pleasure comes from. The satisfaction of knowing God's will. The satisfaction of being inside of his guidance. It is where I find I am in want of nothing, though trials hit. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear nothing. Because his right hand is right here. His rod and his shepherd's staff comfort me. Within God's guidance, guys, is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. But the thing about sheep is that they wander off, obviously, right? Sheep are very stupid animals. Like sheep, also, though. Sheep aren't just stupid. They're, they're skittish. They're skittish. They're very afraid, sheep. Because if you think about the, the anatomy of a sheep, for a second, they have a huge torso and legs like this tall. Like, what have they got going for them, right? Like, they got not, no defense mechanism at all besides, like, eh, like laying down. Like, I just hope they don't, like, dead me, you know? Like, you know, just lying down, right? You know, sheep, in their anatomy, they just, it's, it's, it makes sense that they're just fearful and skittish creatures, right? They can't really help themselves, right? They, they have absolutely no way of helping themselves, and we, like sheep, are easily afraid. We're easily skittish. Because unlike the sovereign hand of God, everything around us just crumbles and it's fleeting in our, in our grasp. Friendships, finances, relationships, school, work, all of it. We're always teetering on like this, like I kind of have it under control, like just if I balance it just right. Just kind of. You know, in, in surfing, I'm not that good, so I'm, I'm, I'm often in this weird place where I know I could fall at any minute. Like, I'm not confident in like shredding, right? I'm just like, ah, you know, like just trying to keep afloat. That's how we are as humans. We're just barely holding on to control. Barely holding on to it. And so all these things cause us to move everywhere. Sheep, they'll never lie down. They'll just keep moving because they're afraid they're going to get eaten if they lie down. And so we, we, we wander off. We move. We don't trust in the Lord and we, 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 don't, we don't sit and wait upon him because we're afraid of if, if, if we stop moving that we'll lose control of our grades or of our finances or of our relationships. 
There's no rest for our weary souls. We wander off into danger in our search for anything, really. Because we're afraid that this right here, as good as it may be, I can't last forever. I better go now. Search for the next thing. We wander off. And like sheep, we need a shepherd, right? Like sheep, we need a shepherd. In Ezekiel chapter 34, Ezekiel chapter 34, it says this in verse 11. It says, for thus says the Lord God. Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from their countries and will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel in the valleys and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in good pasture and their food shall be on high mountains of Israel. There they shall lie down in a good fold and feel and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away, bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. And then later on in verse 31, he says, you are my flock, the flock of my pasture, but you are men and I am your God, says the Lord. You see, guys, as much as we wander off, as much as we wander off, God is adamant about the safety and fulfillment and peace of his sheep. He is adamant. He loves us dearly. Oh, so dearly. Guys, that means that he will do whatever it takes to make us lie down in green pastures. He will do whatever it takes to make us lie down. If you do your studying on the art of shepherdry, you will find that there was an, uh, there's an often used method to, for sheep that often strayed away. Perhaps you guys have heard this gruesome metaphor, but for sheep that just would not stop straying away, the shepherd would eventually get sick and tired of always bringing the sheep back to him. So eventually, when the sheep would stray off, the shepherd would take the sheep for the last time. He would lay the sheep down and he'd break the sheep's legs. He'd break all four of his legs. He would then take the sheep and hurl it on his shoulders. And for months and months until that sheep's legs healed, that sheep would be on the shoulders of the shepherd as he walked and tended to the other sheep. And then finally, when those sheep's legs were finally healed, the shepherd would put the sheep down. You better believe that that sheep never left the presence of the shepherd. Not, not just because, oh, I don't want to get my legs broken again. Knowing sheep, they probably just totally forgot about it altogether. However, <laughs> however, what is very interesting and why I believe that the sheep would not leave the shepherd's side is not because, oh man, I don't want to get my legs broken again. Like punishment actually works. Yeah, right. Come on, guys. How many kids just laugh when their parents spank them? <laughs> I believe it's because that sheep now for months and months knew nothing but the shepherd's presence knows nothing but to be next to the shepherd. It's unable to be anywhere else. Just on the shepherd's shoulders. And it was those sheep, when the shepherd put them down, that would just stay right next to the shepherd. Get used to the voice of the shepherd. The presence of the shepherd. And guys, like some of us, the act of restoring and the act of God bringing you into him. For those of us that are continually just straying away, 
God is a good shepherd and as a loving shepherd and as a shepherd that cares for his sheep will break your legs. I'm going to be transparent before you and saying that this year God has broken my legs more times than I would care to tell you. Where, where I do not listen to the voice of the Lord and I stray away, therefore he breaks my legs and brings me back into his presence. But I will tell you this much, that this year, as painful as it has been on several different levels, you know, not just emotionally, but th- there's just been just things. It's just been hard. And I will say this. I know now more than ever how to recognize my shepherd's voice. I'm just as dumb as I was last year, but I know my shepherd's voice. I'm still a sheep, but I'm a sheep that knows not to stray away from his shepherd. See, it says here in verse three, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. You see, when we think of restores my soul, we go back to what we were imagining with the still waters and the green pastures. We have an image of what that's like, right? We have an image. We have drawn up this image of what restoring means. And for many of us, it simply means life feels better. Life just feels better. I feel refreshed. I feel good. I feel full of energy. But what happens when life still is kind of crummy around you? What happens when you don't feel all that well? Could you still say that your soul is restored? Going by your standards of to be restored just means to feel better than you did yesterday? You see, God is not so shallow as we are. The Hebrew word for soul is nefesh. Nefesh. You see, the Hebrews used it to describe not your feelings, but all that you are. Your soul is not just your inner being. Not necessarily your your, your subconscious, even. Your soul encompasses all that you are as a human being. Minus the body. Your soul is your thoughts, your affections, your desires, your aspirations. The deep hurt that you feel and the great joys that you feel. And all that dictated. Your preferences. Your, your styles. What you like to wear. How you like to talk to people. What music you like. Your soul. All that you are. From the most shallow level, like music, all the way to the deepest level, who you believe Yahweh is, where you are with God, your soul, the fish, the fish, your soul. It was C.S. Lewis who famously said, you don't have a soul. You have a body. You are a soul. You're not a body with a soul. Because if you're a body with a soul, what comes first? Your body. The fleshly desires that you have. C.S. Lewis would argue, and the Bible would argue, that your soul is who you are. Your desires, as fractured or as redeemed as they are, come secondary. As far as your fleshly desires and your bodily functions. Your soul is who you are. And God loves who you are, Christian. I'm very sick and tired of this this lie in Christianity that our souls all have to be conformed to this kind of standard where we all need to have the same musical preferences. We all need to have the same likes and dislikes. We all need to have the same style of preaching. We all need to have the same exact ministry. We all have to have the same conduct in every single thing. Christian, God created you 
as you. And him restoring you, and him redeeming you, and him sanctifying you to be more like Christ is to discover who you were meant to be in Christ, not to conform you to someone you're not. He wants to take what's beautiful about you and sanctify it. He wants to take the bad habits you, your soul has created and get rid of them. But God loves you, not future you, not past you. God loves you. He loves your soul and he wants to restore it. He wants to restore it. The Hebrew word for restore is shwub. Shwub. (laughs) That's it. Not very exciting. But it describes this. Shwub, a restoring, it describes a causing to return back to where it belongs. So if I were to restore something, it's as if I had a dog who ran away. And I'm restoring it. I'm going out and I'm restoring it and bringing it back home. That's restoring. Restoring is like you you had a broken item and you put back its original parts and you kind of put it back together and you polish it and you bring it back to what it was originally meant to be. Shuab. Restore. And so when we look at where David would declare that God restores his soul, it means that God wants to take all that you are, bring it back to what you were originally made for, which is to have a peaceful and fulfilling relationship with him, one that is intimate, one that is clean, and one that is full of passion and joy. Amen? Amen. In John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have life more abundantly. He says in verse 11, Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep, but a hireling or him who is hired, right? To look after the sheep. They're not his sheep. He was just hired to look after them. He's a babysitter. He who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and I am known by my own. As the father knows me, even so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And the other sheep, which, I, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. Listen, Christian. How many times have we put ourselves in the care of hirelings? Items of this world and people of this world that care not for our souls. How many of you have looked at an individual and say, in you, my soul will be restored and satisfied? How many of you have looked at a relationship, whether it be a holy one or unholy one? How many of you have taken it and elevated it to Godhood where you say, you will restore my soul? But how many of these people you put your life into? How many of these addictions, these vices, these habits, the technology, the media, your sense of style and self-worth. How many of us have given our souls to hirelings and said, in you, I will be satisfied. But how many of them will lay down their life for you? How many of these things that we have entrusted ourselves to, how many of them will take their own life? 
so that you may have life more abundantly. You see, Christian, and non-Christian alike in here, God, in his reflection of his shepherding nature and his shepherding character, sent his son as the good shepherd that he might declare that no wolf will ever touch my sheep. No wolf will ever take my sheep from me. I am the good shepherd. I will lay down my life and those wolves, they will ravish me and they will destroy me, but they will not touch my sheep. God's fathering heart, his shepherding heart, guys, was completely manifested in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, his son. God said to Jesus, go get my sheep, whatever it takes. Go get my sheep. Go get my sheep. The sacrifice of Jesus reflects God's shepherding heart. The sacrifices of Jesus, guys. It's not just, ah, man, I sinned again. Right? Jesus, I guess you're going to have to die. Right? We learned, guys, that there's an enemy out there. As Mark took us in four weeks, there's, there's an enemy that desperately wants your soul. There's an enemy that has taken your soul and done what it pleased with it. All because the hirelings that you set up to protect yourself have ran away. The false senses of security that we have, we have put ourselves in, whether it be in our own abilities or whether it be in the abilities of others, we put our hopes in other things. And so when Satan, the enemy, when he comes, the hirelings leave. Who's left but the good shepherd to our rescue? And he took that. And he said, the wolves can have me, but they can't have you, my sheep. And the great thing about Jesus is that he's God. Amen? Amen. He's God. So no one can really take his life. He lays it down. He lays it down on our behalf. God, Yahweh, Abba. He has this heart for his sheep. And it's not out of this annoying, I can't believe the sheep did it, this again. I gotta go get them. He loves his sheep. They're precious to him. They're precious to him. That's why I love the proskineho, the worship we ascribe to Jesus. The word Greek word proskineho at its roots means like a dog or a pet just sitting by his master and licking his hand. And that's not demeaning, guys. Like, God's not calling you a dog, but he, he that's worship. Say, my, my shepherd loves me. I just want to be by my shepherd's side. And that, this entire series, guys, it's to usher us into this Abba experience. Being able to sit back and just soak in the presence of our Lord and and be next to him as sheep. He leads us into green pastures. He He makes us lie down here. And so, as our call to be sheep comes right now, listen, God is a good shepherd. How can we be good sheep, right? In John 10, In John 10, verse three, Jesus says this, the sheep hear my, his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. So I've got two simple steps for tonight. I want to make this applicable to you guys. I don't want to just say, God's your shepherd later, right? He is our shepherd, and that should affect the way we worship him. But there's two points into into just being these sheep and how to let God just restore our souls, guys, because I have experienced in the past, just even the past few weeks, a restoration of my soul, 
a reformation of my soul, a soul that was wandering and God's just gently bringing me back. I want that for you. God wants that for you, for you wandering souls that have been voyaging far too long. Jesus says, the sheep hear my voice. And when they hear the voice of strangers, they flee because they know he's bad news. And so the first point I have for you guys is to just listen to the voice of the Lord. Learn to recognize his voice. Learn to recognize his voice. You see, many of you have strayed away from the shepherd because he keeps calling you, but you don't recognize his voice. You have not soaked yourself in the words of your shepherd. You've ignored him. And say, oh, I got a relationship with God all you want. You don't know how to hear his voice. And if you rely just on me and Pastor Mark on Sunday nights to hear God's voice, I'm going to tell you something. In those situations where you're not in the confines of a nice and safe building, at work, at your schools, in your home, when things do get rough, and God wants to let you know what he has for you, how to lead you beside still waters, how to make you lie down in green pastures. He's calling you. He wants to lead you. Learn to recognize your shepherd's voice. Do you seek him? Do you seek him? Do you drown out other sounds? And this is something that, that has just been beautiful for my life. And I'm, I'm not saying it to, uh, you know, just uh, look at Zach. I'm, I'm saying this because it has helped me dramatically. Um, I, I, I've just taken the past few weeks, all social media has been off. All social media, just gone, off. All Netflix, unless I'm, I'm watching a movie with my friends, all movies are gone. Like I, 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 want, I wind down every once in a while, like I'll play an app or a video game, but that's, that's like... 20 minutes tops and I'm drowning out other sounds because I'm realizing just how much I need to hear the voice of my shepherd and I'm not saying that legalistically like no more Facebook right like it's an amazing thing that you can use to be in community with other people however I I really do suggest you you take a a few weeks to just drown out all the noise so you can just seek your shepherd. Some of you even now, like, oh. <laughs> we preachers see it, by the way. <laughs> just, just letting you know, Pastor Mark and I, we, we see it. Like, you're not writing notes. <laughs> Take some time to hear the voice of the Lord. Where, just tell your husband or your wife, hey, can you get the kids just for like an hour? I'm going to go spend time with my, with my shepherd. I need to hear his voice. Do you take time just away from all the busyness of life? And that's our second point, guys. Our second point, and then I'll, I'll, I'll close. Our second point is this. Seek to be near your shepherd. Seek to be near your shepherd. There's a difference, guys. Because some of you will say, I spend plenty of time with my shepherd. We do things all the time, like stack chairs. Like, no, no, I pray with people. Go to church, right? That's spending time with God. Now, listen, there's a difference between spending time on God and spending time with God. Spending time on God is your ministry time, which is precious time, but it is an outflow of your time with God. You better believe Pastor Mark and I could exegete nothing, zero, without our personal time with Jesus. So you, Christian, will be utterly useless to God if you do not know how to sit with him. I've seen so many worship leaders. I've seen so many pastors that love to play music and they love to preach the word, but they have no idea what it's like to soak in the presence of their Lord. That's when they burn out. They feel stressed and I have been there and I'm getting passionate because I don't want you to be there doing stuff for the Lord, but never being with him. It gets tiring and it breaks your soul rather than restores it. You see, 
We would be failing in the same area as the Pharisees if we simply clinged to acts of service and being engaged in the society for God. Memorizing scripture and attending church, tithing, fasting, praying, engaging in the community, all of these things do not replace a commitment to be a friend of God. None of these things. Never think for once you volunteering in kids' ministry or making a meal for Sunday night or maybe volunteering in the early morning as ushering and greeting or going to your workplace and starting a Bible study. Never mistake those things with genuinely spending time with your Lord. Spend your time with God. Do you spend time with God? Listen. I know you go to church. That's not my question. Do you spend time with God? I know you attend three services a day. That's not my question. Do you spend time with God? With your shepherd? Some of you would say, I'm too busy. Have you ever been the king of Israel? (laughs) Have you ever tried being a king over a nation, right? David was. And his psalms are but an outflow of his personal time with God, right? It was him who was able to say, oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied with you as with marrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. This is David. And he says, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. My soul follows close behind you. My soul follows close behind you as a sheep follows his shepherd. So my soul will follow close behind the Lord. Take some time to spend time with your God. Maybe awkward for you. I'll give, you, I'll give you some help. Here's what I do. Take my iPod. Take my keys. Get in the car. Drive somewhere where there's no people. Park. I take a walk. Go to the beach if I have time. Get my Bible. Sit. That's it. Pray to the Lord. Pour your heart out to him. And for those of you that can't just drive off, right? You don't have that freedom. Backyard. Sit. Look up in the sky late at night. Put on a jacket. Just look at the stars. Pour your heart before God. Give him all the crap. Throw up all the baggage that you've been dealing with. Pray for restoration. Read, read some Psalms. They've been satisfying to my soul. Spend time with your shepherd and let him restore your soul. You see, David found time with Abba. He realized that the incredible fact is that Yahweh, guys, is the stream and he is the pasture. I'll lead you into myself, God says. As I said before, we dream up all of these things where we, this, is what, this is what the good life is. This is what the fulfilling life is. This is what the stream is. This is what the pasture is. All the while, we're just success, debt-free, more relationships, a relationship. And, and, and we, we dream up all of these things for ourselves. But Yahweh is saying to you, Christian, I am the stream. I am the pastor. In me, you will find satisfaction. And as you learn to recognize my voice and be with me, I, I will satisfy you in every other facet of life. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all else will be added onto you. Meaning all those things that you used to care about, God will take care of for you. I can testify to that in my own life. Relationally, in grades, in finances, everything.
we're going to, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and we're going to enter into a time, guys, of just being with God. I often ask, you know, I mean, I, I don't get this question asked as much anymore because they usually get remarks that don't satisfy them, right? But I used to get asked this question a lot, like, why do you do so much worship at the end, right? Part of it, guys, is so our soul can just simply be satisfied in what we just heard. Dan just, he, he wrote a song for this series called Forever Yours. And in this time, guys, I, let's, let's come into an intimacy with our Father. Seek Him. Seek His presence. Drown out all of the just mess that's around you. Stop asking for a pasture that you think is greener. Start following your shepherd. Let us tonight just seek to be next to our shepherd, amen? amen. Just seek to be next to him. Can your soul say tonight, I shall not want? Can your soul say, I shall not want? If your soul can't say that tonight, because you haven't truly let yourself be restored by God, let him bring you back into his will. Ask him tonight. We take communion. Guys, this is something for the Christian. This is something for the sheep to take part in and follow their shepherd in. Where we, we look at the body that was shed for us. Where Jesus said, I lay down my life for the sheep. So that they can be guided by my father, I shall die for them. So their sin no longer separates my God and them. Jesus died for us. We take communion remembering that. Not just so we can remember and feel like bad for what like Jesus had to go through for on our behalf, right? But we do so so that we can take part in that perfect life that he was broken in. So as we say, Lord, as you lived a perfect life, I now, eating of your body and partaking of you, will just, as David said right here, my soul will follow close behind you. And we drink the juice that symbolizes his blood. And since his perfect blood, since Christ's perfect life, he just poured it upon us. He shed that so that he can say, do you know what? My righteousness, here you go. Your dirtiness, put it on me, man. I'll kill it on the cross. And so we take part in communion, we take part in the blood, not just as, as a remembrance of the brutality of the cross, but we also do it knowing that as we worship, guys, and as we say, I am forever yours, we say these things knowing that God has purified us first by the blood of the Lamb, right? And so we're going to sing this next song together as a church because, you know what, no other church gets this song. Sunday nights gets this song. Amen? Sunday nights gets this song. This is your song for us to declare we are forever yours. This song will, will, it will emulate, it will mirror Psalm 23. And we're going to sing it together and we're going to seek the Lord together and we're going to worship him together. Amen? If you want to be closer to your Abba tonight, I'm not going to do an altar call. If you want to be closer to God tonight, ask him. Come take communion at your own leisure. You don't all have to take it at once. Pray to him, seek him, lift your hands and praise him. Amen. 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 Yahweh, Lord, Father, Abba, we love you. Yes. I just pray that you'd restore our souls tonight. God, that we would stop looking for greener pastures we would stop looking for still waters and we'd stop drawing up this picture of a perfect life for ourselves as good as good things often are but lord it says that every good thing comes from above our father of lights god i, I just pray that we stop searching and seeking and being desperate in our wandering to look for better things but we would simply allow our souls to follow behind you grab our souls tonight, restore us tonight, 
Don't make us necessarily feel better, though we will feel better, Lord, but really just all that we are, our likes, our dislikes, our preferences, all who we are, Lord, I pray that you restore us because some of us in here, we feel broken. We feel abused and abandoned. And it's all because we've just been straying away from our shepherd. Help us find comfort in you tonight. You are our shepherd. We shall not want. We love you, Lord. We sing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing to our Lord.